I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of My Week in Cars, the podcast from Autocar with me, Matt Pryor, and Steve Cropley over there. Hello, Steve. Matthew, how are you? Very well, mate. Very well. Uh, the next half an hour or so, Steve and I are going to be talking about the government's latest proposals for its zero emissions motoring future. We're going to be talking about uh, Fords being given American names. We're going to talk about the comfort of the BMW i4 and how bad cars aren't as bad as what they used to be. All that and more over the next half hour or so, including your correspondence. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. Rob Lightbody from Glasgow has done that. He said he was delighted to read Jim Holder's Inside Information column recently about why people should think about where their car is built. I was going to write about this in my column this week, but I've deferred it by a week for the government announcement we're going to come on to in a minute. Uh, Unfortunately... Most people don't, says Rob. I've been thinking for a while this needs more consideration by Autocar on behalf of the readers, and Jim covers all the key points I've been thinking about. I don't think it's fair that a Chinese car is praised for being cheap without considering why it is cheap in the first place. For my own part, I've come to the conclusion that I will only buy a car built in Europe and preferably the UK if possible, says Rob. Well, thanks for your note, Rob. There is something in this, isn't there, I think, and I've, I've been wondering more and more about how much consideration the consumer should have feels obliged to have for this sort of thing yeah it's complicated though isn't it because the because you know so much of cars come from various points of the compass don't they Mm. you know the the jaguar i-pace batteries made in poland and the the engineering was done in austria and the car itself is made in austria but we think of it as as a British car. British. And, and, and a, there's a bit Indian of that company. about, isn't there? And mi- yeah. Even minis, you know, bits of bits, certain minis are made out of the country now, aren't mm. they? Mm. So perhaps it behoves us, you know, you and me, in, in our job to to be a bit more specific about where things yeah. come from. I can understand people wanting to support local jobs. Absolutely yeah, right. I can. And I, th- and I think as well, I mean, one, it's probably impossible to buy any car without something Chinese in it. Do you reckon? No, I reckon. So, yeah. But, yeah, I do think... I think I do think I think about it more, and I I um, I asked the uh, CEO of Polestar about it last week, um, Thomas Ingenlath, because they are uh, like to be perceived as a Swedish company, yeah. owned by a Chinese company, you know. And at the same time, I was in Sweden last week seeing their new design studio. President Xi has just visited Russia, and Sweden's applying to join NATO at the same time. I mean, these are these are complicated things. We didn't 
ones yeah. have to worry about quite so much. Indeed, we do. But, and Polestar's large amount of Polestar engineering is done in Myra, isn't it? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In yeah, the they've just opened a new. Yeah, they've opened a brand new uh, facility. I think they're at the front of the building actually, in their nice Art Deco spot at the at the front, which is quite on on the uh, sort of um, sustainability front. They're reusing. You know that bit of the facility, and their old designs, their new design studio is an old Volvo building. Um, it was old, the old Volvo HQ. It's a cool, it's an amazing old building. But it's yeah, this kind of geopolitical stuff. I, I've sort of wondered in the past how much we have to think about that. Um, yeah, but it is nice to know that at least if you buy a Polestar, you are buying the work of a lot of British engineers. You Not are. you know, there's some international engineers working mm. there as well. But but I, I do think it's, it holds water, this, and you can understand people being concerned about it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we do need to just say a bit more about what's, what's, what comes from where, I yeah. suppose, you know, in the same way that, I don't know, how much, how much do manufacturers have to say it? Because if I buy a box of prawns from the co-op, it says these come from Honduras or yeah. Norway or whatever. But when yeah. you buy a car, I don't know how much it has to say about that content. I, I've, not, I um, I've not... I don't think there's any rules. No, I need to look into that more. Anyway, thank you, uh, Rob, for your note. Steve, we're going to be chatting our columns over the next half an hour or thereabouts. And uh, this week we start because we both kind of talked about a similar thing, which is today's release of... Uh, oh, crikey, what's it called? The Consultation into... Yeah, there's, the a, move there's a sort of zero, green directive in effect. Yeah, the move yeah. towards zero emissions vehicles and CO2 reduction. Yeah. So it's a step-by-step zero emission, CO2 reduction until 2030 when pure ice cars will be banned in the UK. 2035, everything has to be zero emissions completely out of the tailpipe. Yeah. Your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> I see the sense of it. But the thing that I think the point that the the point that's concerning most of it out of this comes out of your column, which is the bit about how minimum, if no, thinking has been done about the situation for the likes of Caterham Aerial, all of the low volume people who seem at the moment to simply be caught up in a load of regulations that will require them to to um, not be able to produce the cars they make at the moment. Yeah. In a very short order. And while Europe seems to have sensible derogation uh, terms for small companies and for, for small production runs, Britain appears to have none. And, and the concern is, I mean, we're the people that have got the industry. Mm. We're the people that have got the demand and the, and the, and the indeed, where the, most of the creative thinking is done. You know, we're going to we're in danger of um, cutting a, a load of promising industries off at the knees, which is a particularly stupid thing to do. Yeah. The politicians seem to have no idea. I continue to think back of the good old days of Vince Cable when, you know, he really understood the car industry. Mm. Um, but you hope that somewhere buried in Mandarin land, there's there's somebody with more of a brain than the politicians appear yeah. to have. Yeah. So in yes, in summary, it's like a fifty. 56- Six fifty-seven page document, and it came out at nine o'clock this morning. We're talking at about eleven o'clock, so there's a there's a lot of the detail we haven't been through. But the bit of the detail I have been through is that it says in the in the EU regulations, it says micro manufacturers who register less fewer than a thousand cars in Europe a year are out of scope of the regulations. That's just where it just where it ends, I think. And also, they now are considering the e-fuels part of 
the future. Yeah, there's a deal, well. isn't there? So yeah, so there's so you know so low volume sports cars, endurance endurance racing cars that eventually go endurance racing, and manufacturers who are big into engines and have spent the last seventy years telling us they should buy their cars because they've got great engines have a future. In the UK, it says if you're a niche vehicle manufacturer, you sell fewer than a thousand cars a year, you are out of scope of the regulations until 2030. So you don't have to reduce your CO2 over the next five, six years like everybody else does. But from 2030 onwards, you still have to be zero emissions. So if you want to build a catering in your garage, because this applies to IVA, which is individual vehicle approval, kit cars that are non-Q-plated kit cars. So if you want to buy a caterham, stick a Vauxhall engine in it, 1.6 litre, drive it around 1,000 miles a year, keep it for the rest of your life, using very few consumables, not doing very much. Sorry, mate, after 2030, you can't do that. It's just stupid. And, the, you know, we've spoken to niche makers who have an electrification plan, but it will require, presumably, off-the-shelf components because they don't have billions to go and develop their own no, systems. And no, at the no. moment, battery tech and you know batteries get hot very quickly and they don't charge very quickly so if you are making a track car track based car you think yeah i might do the odd tour the old scottish tour the odd the odd track day well good luck they're heavy too though aren't they i remember talking to the boss of caterham about this and he said that you know they wait patiently for for decent sensible lightweight off-the-shelf components to appear and they haven't Mm. Yeah. Heavy ones have, not light ones. Yeah. And the idea that so much... I don't get political very often, Steve, because I don't... I just, <laughs> well, because, I, you know, people think different things and... Yeah. I, not everybody I, wants you to do it Not everybody wants you to do it. But, but, but the idea that big companies can get away with pumping all kinds of stuff into the water, you'll wait however long it takes you to wait to get seen on the health service. And yet, actually, if you just want a hobby of building a car in your garage and then running it, for a few hundred miles a year just to keep yourself happy no sorry you can't do that yeah. and everything else that goes on still goes on oh god it makes me so cross me seriously yeah, yeah. i don't get cross very often but it's just anyway the consultation runs until the end of may the government will post responses at the end of august and after that at some point it will enact policy but that policy starts from the, from 2024 oh. so i mean if you're trying to sell cars next year as a big manufacturer as yet you don't know what proportion you're going to be able to flock of yeah. what crackers in it it's mad it? and also the market you know these still the market demand is still the thing that 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 works out what the the mix of cars is going to be you know yeah. you can't just sort of say well from you know half past four we're going to sell 80 percent electric you mm. just can't do it no. there has to be a demand yeah yeah crazy yeah which is I mean, which is why you won't be able to buy a Ford Focus, yeah, yeah, ST, yeah, or very many. Or anyway, Civic Type R. anyway, it is a pain in the backside, but at the moment, you can buy a Ford Focus ST. <laughs> at the moment, you can buy a Ford Focus ST. Actually, there's a video on the Autocar YouTube channel as we speak. Sure, Ford I mean, Focus that's the one with you doing GR86. that. There's a joyous um, cornering shot, isn't there? There's a it's nice. There's a you in the middle of this 180 with this thing in beautiful oh, shallow oversteer slide. You're kind to say that. Yeah, well, it's a Toyota GR86, oh, which means it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Well, mate, it's, it's very just, nicely handled, I, I must would, say. It was, if I could do that, well, I'd be a proud man. Mate, I picked, I picked that clip very carefully. <laughs> Out of all of the, uh, yes, all, all the half spins and the, <laughs> and the smudge into one. Sorry, I don't believe you. But, it's, <laughs> but anyway, it's a great vid. Recommend it to everybody uh, over on Autocars YouTube. 
Uh, right, next bit then. Let's should we lighten things a bit, Steve? Yeah, uh, definitely. I'll tell you what. Actually, I I want to talk a lot about bad cars getting better and better. So we'll save that for part two. Okay. So tell me about electric Fords being given American names. Well, it seems there's this conjecture, isn't there, about the car that comes after the Explorer that we've just seen. Mm. Some people say it's going to be called Explorer Sport, which okay. which is positive in itself because it sounds like it's going to have the ends cut off and be a bit lighter. And and some people say it's going to be called Capri. Mm. And there's a there's a sort of um, big debate going on, as you'd expect, you know, social media debate. You know, some people think it's a shocking abuse to use this this name, even yep. though it's been used three times before by Ford. Oh, there was it? a Lincoln Capri, there was a Consul Capri, and then there was the Capri Capri, the one we know. I didn't know that. So this would be the fourth iteration. Yeah. That's just what they do. I, mm. I think as long as they put it on a credible car, great. The, yeah. it's, it's worked, you know, despite us all, it's worked with a Mustang. The Mustang is a big, heavy, five-door American car, but it's worked all right. And we were, we, not you and I necessarily, some people were outraged about the Puma appearing on a yeah. small crossover. And that's, well, yeah. that's not my favorite. And the Cougars had a few trips around the block too in oh, C-O-U-G-A-R yeah. and also K-U-G-A. Yeah. yeah. So I think the recycling's all right. There's a there's a tradition for it. We pretty soon get used to it. Naming things is so interesting, isn't it? I can remember somebody saying to me, would you ever... Could you imagine ever starting a new publication product called Exchange and Mart? <laughs> and uh, no, no. <laughs> but people get used to names. Yeah. Well, I mean, the autocar is not is not a is not a name that you is not a word you come across. Often, no. Except in this magazine these days. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It is a strange one. The Explorer is an American based name. Yeah, it was a big sort th- of brick shaped yeah. SUV. When we think of Capri as a well, I think of Capri as a European name yeah. really but does ford think there is appeal in in bringing to mind its american heritage so they say they yeah. they um they seem to think that they'll be the only people with a sort of american tinge in selling cars in europe and mm. people go on american cars i must say this works for me american cars have this kind of slightly simple optimism to to them i've always thought this and and you know they might be they just put me in a cheery mood so maybe it must be all the cop shows <laughs> but the thing is um so I, I i just don't have a problem with it i think it's nice mm. and the 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 point that i've tried to make in the rag this um, uh, time is is that wouldn't it be amazing if this also um, spread out so that Renaults went back to you know supple cars with big deep, deep seats and lots of body roll and and a, and a Fiat was a kind of you know, minimal hire car that you picked up at Milan Airport and beat the hell out of and you know on your way to down that road that goes past Turin you know and it does yeah I mean there is less of that sort of national identity in cars these days yeah, isn't I, there, w- I think but fair? I think Ford are bringing it back hmm. and and you know maybe others will I, I I think it's quite positive yeah yeah I like the idea and because mechanically things are tending to veer closer to each other you know if you take a Stellantis vehicle compact yeah. crossover whatever it might be or a Volkswagen group vehicle they're all kind of you know they're all kind of engineered in the same way and start to feel similar so maybe it is that design and identity yeah. that marks them out I think that is one of the um, achievements of the expedition we've uh, sorry the explorer I keep calling mm. it the wrong the, the explorer we've seen so far um, 
it does look like a Ford to me, and and and, it, and it, I don't confuse it with anything VW, even though it's got an ID three yeah. chassis under it. Mm. Yeah, cool. Right, Steve and I will take a very quick break, and we will be back with more My Weekend Cars after this. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello and welcome back to my week in cars. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. Uh, but if you want to visit the autocar website, that's autocar.co.uk. If you want to read the magazine, you can get it in print, as it has been every week since 1895, or you can get it on digital uh, subscription, which is very good, actually. Very easy, I think. Really good to scroll through. And a lot of the stuff in the mag doesn't end up on the website later. So it is a lot of the features and our columns that we're chatting about now. They don't go on They don't go on the web normally for normal people. They're only exclusively for people who take the mag. So I recommend it to you, as you would imagine I would. Anyway, Simon Lucas has written to us, who says, every time a car manufacturer trumpets its latest EV, they always give maximum range. And we've seen time and time again that they very rarely get anywhere near that stated maximum, PHEVs as well. Manufacturers should be made to quote a minimum range for their vehicles instead, a range they know the car will achieve no matter what the season and corresponding outside temperature. Maybe the buying public aren't ready for the stark reality of quoted EV range. No. I find um, that I, I find perhaps because of the way I drive, I can get fairly close to WLTP mm. ranges quite often. Not so much at this time of the year, but it is, it is very dependent on how you drive. I mean, you know this better mm. than me, Matt. And and um, so I, uh, we see a huge amount of correspondence, don't we, about you know people being disappointed with ranges? But yeah. I think. I think we, we we have to kind of um, play our own part a little bit. You know, I, I I'm, I'm I'm not knocking anybody that's disappointed, but I'm I am getting a little bit sick of lots of complaints about this because we know the situation. We you know we're all grown up. We, mm. Why don't we just live with it? Yeah, and you will find in the autocar road test accurate range figures. Indeed, as tested. So yeah, um, my advice would be to yeah, don't worry about the. WLTP, look at ours. And actually, our, our, I, I mean, I hate mentioning anybody else, but we do have a sibling magazine called Watcar. And we're sitting in a room filled with some of their props as we speak. <laughs> as we speak. They've got luggage that they put into boots. They've got uh, some photography equipment. They've got child seats that they do. They're quite a practical thing. They do have a true MPG test, don't they, which they apply to EVs. Do they just run until it stops, don't they? They can do that. Yeah, they, they, they do that. Yeah. So between, but between the two of us, um, if you if you want to know how far our car will go, yes, look at us, Simon, rather than WLTP. But yeah, but but I mean, he's, he has got a point. In it, winter, it's a fair in point. Winter, of it, it is, is a fair point, yeah, because I remember having a, a Peugeot E208 uh, in proper cold conditions. And getting it and just go, hang on a minute, this says I'm going to do like 90 miles or something. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, they say don't charge it to fully charge, ideally. Take it to 
Yeah. And you're not going to really want to run it to below 10 unless you're absolutely sure you're going to yeah. stop off at home. So that cuts it even more, doesn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah, the I one do that, have a frustration. Actually, now that I think about it, the one that cheesed me off was the e-Berlingo. Mm. Because I, you know, my Berlingo proclivities. Berlingo. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was used to doing 500 miles on, on a tank and then this thing promised 180 and did 120. And I was, I just remember my outrage. <laughs> Quite rightly. <laughs> Quite rightly. <laughs> Um, but bad cars are not as bad as they used to be. Is oh, fair? God. <laughs> God. Yeah, I was so disappointed with this. Um, <laughs> what, I've that, always... it that it wasn't terrible. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, because I took the wife's Mini to, to for service, right? And mm. they lent me a Countryman, which is the big Mini, the fat Mini, the one yeah. with the roof rail, yeah. rails and all that. Yeah. And I've always looked at this car and thought that it makes a potato look handsome. <laughs> and... and uh, and um, so, you know, but it was a good piece of transport. And so I got in this car, drove away, and I hadn't gone half a mile when I realised that it was a pretty good car, steered oh. nicely, you know, felt like a, you know, pretty BMW-ish, quite yeah. a nice supple ride, firm but good on the bumps and not too big and comfortable seats. And even the dinner plate dashboard, which I also happen to hate, well, the old, well the, the old retro style yeah, that, thing with a big, great, big, big round thing in the middle. Great big speed, thing in the middle. Yeah, reminiscent of the, old, in, yeah. of the old mini speedo, isn't it? Yeah. That all worked pretty well. <laughs> and, you know, the pedals were nice and it was, a, it was you know, it was a fair for this car, a mm-hmm. plug-in hybrid. I liked it. And I thought, damn, you know, this car that I've always sort of pointed at and laughed at was um, was that, is actually a pretty good chariot. and. Yeah. So even the cars, you you want to be able to say, look at that for a nail. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it isn't. It's hard, and it? it makes Damn. this job difficult. What do you think of that car? Do you know it? I do know. I have a. I do know it. I don't know the very. I've not driven one for a for a while. The, I mean, I like you. I'm not a huge fan of it because it. When I drove one, I seem to remember that they tried to, and it may be better now because BMW in particular, I think, makes model subtle model updates without necessarily advertising them i yeah. think yeah because you quite often get this you get into a bmw and go i'm sure this never used to be as good as this but i seem to re- think that they have because they want the steering to feel like a mini so very quick yeah. very responsive yeah. you know you want it to feel agile but that car never quite suited that steering feel but they gave it a very sort of rapid response off straight ahead and it sort of just fell really quickly into corners yeah. in a way that didn't quite suit its stance but i beyond that mate it's been a while since i drove one so that may well be improved but it, it is quick steering but mm. but i found it pretty easy to live with and mm. it, you know so indeed did the missus a steering committee and mm. and uh, that disappointed me further <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean we're not in danger of buying one but it was it You're was not. it was a pretty good car yeah. i was say yeah i you know, nicely made and nicely yeah. equipped and all yeah. the stuff that you can depend on with air cars. Yeah, that is quite cool. And I, I've got to say, if I was in the market for a practical daily, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a Countryman, but I like small, the smaller minis yeah. a lot. And I don't I don't mind that dashboard somehow. No, no, no. At least it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, at least it's not boring. Suppose, and yeah. they've still got... It's uh, retains the sort of iDrive control. Yeah, the iDrive's good, which is really good. I think it's yeah, that. It's a, it all the sort of fripperies, like that sort of strange neon tube that runs around the yeah. edge of the you know. Oh, and it bloody changes weird color, doesn't colors it? and all yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that I just think you know, I'm a, I'm, mm. 
I'm a grown-up. I don't need that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm a child and I do. So <laughs> no, but I think I'll take your point. It is, doesn't it change colour on your speed or acceleration level or some, sometimes that little, there's a neon strip, isn't there, around the outside yeah. of the big circle and it changes colour depending yeah. on doing what One for the doing. kids in the back, I suppose. Yeah, it's not, it's not all that. Um, but I, yeah, I like, a, I like a small mini. Me too. Anyway, another BMW then. Well, sort of, you yeah. know, another, a proper BMW yeah. with the right badging, the i4. You know, yeah, well, I was on a, I've been on this mission to, to, you know, I've rattled on here, but probably too much already and probably bored you into the ground with my um, observations about the ride, the low speed ride of electric cars. You know, mm -hmm. the Koreans are all right, but not brilliant. Mm -hmm. The Mustang's pretty poor. Yeah. None of them, you can find elements of, of, you know, pitching and sort of funny, lumpy behaviour, as if they can't control their mass very well. And but the car that I remember from its launch, I I wrote our our launch brief launch story on um, on the i four, and I remember it being good, but I don't didn't take enough notice of it anyway. So I borrowed one from a local dealer, mm -hmm. and I found it was indeed a BMW. So it 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 rides well at low speed. There's a great really appropriate graduation between the sport and the comfort just just right i thought mm -hmm. you know if you toggle between them depending on what road you're on you get a result oh interesting and the damping was nice yeah. and the steering was bmw steering and mm -hmm. so I, I was i was my faith was restored in the format let's put it that way and if i were going to buy a car in that class that's the one i would have to go for even though there there's a rather concerning the large stock of them these days of second-hand ones. Oh, really? Um, I, I don't suppose it concerns the dealers too much, but they're they're starting to stick around, I think, these mm. cars, because the ones I was looking at were 50-plus. Okay. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But, you know, the two-wheel drive 40 version is 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 um, quick, 5.5 to or 5.7 something, 0 to 60. It's quick, isn't it? It's quick. There, it? is, a, there is a mad four-wheel drive 3.5 to 60, but I've, as we've <sighs> said before, yeah. you know, you just... It's too much. Leave you leave your head behind, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Anyway, I I, I was just um, cheered by the fact that BMW still know how to build a car in this mm. format, and it's mm. good. Yeah, it is the right. It, I always think that it's in terms of executive cars, what used to be called compact executive or whatever that yeah. segment used to be. That always felt, you know, three series, four series, it always felt the right sort of size. Yeah. For me, nice interiors, nice yeah. controls. Yeah. Pretty, you know, quality. I, 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 they're still doing it for me. Mm. Yeah, I can see it. I, we've got a feature coming up pretty soon, actually, written by Vicky Parrott about the three series. And well, the history of. I think so. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it, but it's yeah, it's quite a broad, it's quite a broad three series. You know, why is the three series the, the archetypal compact exec? You know, yeah. it's your go-to. Over the years, mate, it's been. So often the car that I've said we'll buy a three series. When somebody says, "What should I? What should I get?" I've got X on the company car list, or I've got X, and I need to take the kids and this and the dog and blah blah blah. Yeah. The answer so often is buy a three series, isn't it? Yeah. It's just... And you can do all that practical stuff, and you know you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that's that. I rate them for that, and yeah. and for the for, you know, as engineering staffs and designers come and go, they just seem to keep a keep a. a a kind of company standard, don't they? It's mm. impressive. Yeah, actually, we were both 
driving a couple of oh yeah we recorded a podcast uh, one of our earlier podcasts we recorded at a bmw drive day event didn't that we? was it yeah. which is why we were both there yeah and i remember uh, we drove a few suvs and then i got in a three series that day i think a three 40i they badge it these days which yeah. is a two litre petrol and i just drove off and thought god this is good yeah <laughs> you know this because you're low it's the right size it's narrow enough yeah. it just has that comfort and response you go oh, yeah this is nice yeah 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 still, no, still a still a default mm. choice i think yeah and yes and the the good thing is the i4 does feel like a bmw doesn't it Definitely. in a way that the porsche taycan does feel like a porsche yeah just the same and it's not always the case, is it? No, like the EV no, no. feels the same. Anyway, oh, well, with some manufacturers, it gives them the chance to reinvent things a bit. Yeah, know, I suppose with Hyundai, for example, it yeah. doesn't necessarily feel like other Hyundai's, and yeah. that's all right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, last thing from your column: Why are there so many roadworks suddenly appearing? I've noticed this this morning as I was driving around <laughs> the edge of driving around the edge of my hometown, thinking. Right, here's another set of traffic lights. It's just, it's they've. Why do they pop up in April? Well, end of March. Yeah, I, I presume it's the end of winter because the winter damage can then be repaired without immediately going wrong again. Yeah. But I think there's a, there's been some sort of change in the bylaws as well because every time there's a hole in the road or somebody wants to trim a hedge or something like that, it's now necessary to shut a whole lane and mm. put you know vast lanes of lines of code uh, sorry cones around a place and. So, you know, it's probably safety for the for the staff, which is a yeah. fair thing too. But I mm. do detect a change in bylaws. Mm. But my particular beef is that sometimes the diversions are not very well designed. And I've got a fair bit of time for road engineers. I think they've got a tough job. Oh, yeah. Overcrowded island, not yeah. enough money, yeah. huge numbers of traffic, impatient yeah. people, yeah. blah, blah. But the, the, the actual diversions themselves, I think, are sometimes designed by the work experience kid and i've been in through some tight ones and some unsafe ones oh really and i do wonder i just was wondering you know that we are because of who we are because we're lucky enough to be read by a large load of people mm. and listen to some of this will this there will be a road engineer out there listening to this and i would like to hear from somebody who could who could tell us how diversions get designed oh, yeah 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 yeah. it is interesting that. yeah well it, it's uh, it's definitely an issue i think mm. i mean the advent of google street view and maps would makes you would think would make it easier but that might not be necessarily a good thing yeah. to do it you know maybe 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 they're done on a computer whereas previously somebody would have to go out and so check out they, some junctions yeah. and things like that yeah 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 but I'm, I'm happy to see some work being done, though. Yeah, yeah. I've got to say. But yeah. you're right. I mean, it's just because we've got slightly heavier S, uh, slightly heavier trucks than we used to have. Cars yeah. are heavier than they used to be. Yeah. And you really notice it, don't you? At the, there is a terrific um, driver, racing driver trainer called Rob Wilson, who, yeah. you'll, who you'll know. Yeah. And uh, he, I did a day with him up at Bruntingthorpe Airfield. And he said... Recently? No, no. no oh, too, right. Well... I don't know, 2018, 2019. Oh, he's a, he's a top But he's bloke. fantastic. Yeah, he's terrific. Well, he, he tried to teach me his techniques and I couldn't grasp them. No, I so. couldn't do them either. But <laughs> he but he is a, he is astonishing. And Handy. I know yeah. there's so many drivers go and visit him. The ones at the, at the very top of the scale don't like to admit it, but they all go and see him. But in formula like 
Australian supercars, they they will come over and they'll say, oh yeah, I've been over to the UK to see Rob and spend a bit of time honing. Even you know, even the multiple champs will admit it. You know, they'll see Rob. But anyway, back to the point in question. Yeah. He was he was saying uh, it took us around this sort of Bruntingthorpe Airfield circuit, such as it is, yeah. which runs around some of the old taxiways. And he said, if you look at where the the concrete or the tarmac has become rutted and torn up, he said, you'll notice it most un- in the braking area because that's where the you know the cars are under rotating the tires to try and slow down and that's what pulls up the thing the most and it is at junctions and turning points yeah where these roads get really rutted up and stuff like that oh, you so can true. really tell can't you, you can you really can. you know with heavier cars there's a place on the lorries. fast way i know where where there's a there's a <clears throat> there's a stop sign in a dip and you have to break downhill mm. Lots of heavy goods vehicles on the fast way these days, and it's yeah. it's a mess. And yeah. they repair it, and then it's a mess again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. After a week or two. Yeah, there are more trucks than ever. Population from what fifty to seventy million nearly yeah. in the last twenty years. Less money to fix it with. It's all those prawns from Honduras, mate. Don't oh, well, that's what it is, mate. Yeah, I must say, I did see that and thought to myself, I'm not going to buy prawns from Honduras. I just, you know, as a consumer, do I really, do I really? I could probably go without prawns from Honduras. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a long way for a prawn to come. Sure does. Isn't it? <laughs> Better than swimming. But, I, you know, people will say, well, you know, you pack so many of them together. Actually, they're collective yeah. CO2. It's not very big. And, and, and you're, you just, you're feeding like, somebody else's industry. I mean, well, it's, that, yeah, it's all so that. damn complicated. It isn't is, it? isn't it? And how, as a consumer, when it comes to cars or any other consumer product, I just sometimes think, well, how much, how much onus is on me as a as a shopper? And I think that's, I don't know. I just, I don't know how much personal responsibility we bear for the CO, the respective CO two output, or the geopolitical climate or yeah. whatever of the things that we buy yeah, yeah. but i am sort of increasingly persuaded to buy as locally as possible yeah yeah my missus is um is particularly involved with um, agriculture it's a you know she's an academic she's involved mm. in that sort of thing and uh, yeah she's um she's a great supporter of of um you know following local industry if, if yeah. possible yeah yeah well you can support local industry listener <laughs> here comes the plug uh, Autocar is available in uh, all of the places you would expect news agents or online find us at autocar.co.uk uh, you can write to Steve and uh, me at uh, autocar at haymarket.com on the email or you can find us on uh, social media companies which but they're all terrible people <laughs> terrible companies owned by terrible people so just write to us directly and that's that's much better and uh, we will be back with more light-hearted stuff and probably depressing stuff this time next week <laughs> thanks for joining us until then cheerio see you soon